message where you hear this and you're like, yes, this must mean I'm saved. Sometimes that's not going to be the case. You hear that guy, I don't think I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to be doing. And I think he wants that to be a little bit shocking and a little bit hard for you to hear. Because he really does want you to understand that we have to be people who are obeying the commands of God. Not saying that, and again, this doesn't go back to salvation. This isn't a letter written to people who are unsaved that John is trying to win over. He's writing this letter to the church to assure them of their salvation. That he's writing to a bunch of people who are already saved. So what he's not saying is you have to obey God to get saved. Right? That's an important point to make. He's not saying you have to obey the commands of God to be saved. He's saying once you are saved, that will be evidenced in your life by the way that you obey the commands of God. Does that make, do you see the difference there? Do you see what I'm trying to because, because it's tempting to read that and think, oh, so I'm doing all these things. I must be saved. That must be the thing that's saving me. No, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't go there because, because we're not saved by anything that we do. Right? We just said Christ is our advocate. Christ is the one who made the atonement for us. Christ is the one who's taking care of everything. All of that is happening through Christ. So Paul, so Paul, sorry. I've been, we've been reading a lot of Paul Gospels lately. So John is trying to say, look at your life, examine it, and let that be the thing that makes you feel really encouraged. Yes, I am saved. Yes, I am in this. Yes, we're all in this together. This idea of focusing on obeying the commands of God is not a new point for John. You don't have to turn to the book of John, John 14, verse 15. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I mean, that, I think, says what this whole section, that very succinctly. Like, if you wanted to memorize something this week, that would be something really good to memorize. You probably already have it memorized. If I leave it up there for like five more seconds. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Such a simple message, but it carries so much weight. If we love and know Jesus, we will obey him. It's amazing how these sermons always seem to tie into like parenting people saying this to Caleb before. It's like, it's like, if you love and obey Jesus, you will obey him. And that, that like, we, we've been talking about this with Elliot a lot. It's like, when we ask you to do something, we want you to obey us. Like, like just, just listen to us. Like, She's so into whatever she's into, she doesn't hear half the things we say half the time. And sometimes that might be intentional. Sometimes she might just be pretending to ignore us. But, but we've, all, we've all done this where it's like, hey, go do this. Hey, go do this. Hey, go do this. How many times do you have to say it before it finally registers? Oh, I'm supposed to obey now, right? I feel like this is the way that God feels with us. Um, Probably more often than I feel. It's so reflective of the respect that we're giving to the person who's in authority over us. That's the thing. Is is if we if we are obeying Jesus, we're showing that we value the things He has called us to do. And that's really that's really what the point is. It's like if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's not, it's not tied to, if you fear me, you will keep my commandments. If you are intimidated by me, you will keep my commandments. If you, if you want to not go to hell and avoid my wrath, you will keep my commandments. That's not the point that he's making. That is not what he's saying. What he's saying is, if you love me, you're going to do the things that I ask you. 
So really, this, this whole section is a question of, do you love Jesus? Do you honor him as, as Lord of your life? Do you, do you submit to him and his authority? Do you surrender everything about yourself to him? Do you passionately love him? Not to get something out of it for yourself. Right? Because we just said, following the commands isn't what gets us into his love. He loves us first. And then because he loves us and we learn to love him, we do the things that he calls us to do. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That word keep that he's using there, he says it in uh, verse 3 here in 1 John as well. That word translated really implies the idea of guarding. Like you're guarding a treasure, something you value. Um, it, it made me remember, um, I couldn't remember if it was Pirates of the Caribbean 2 or 3. I think it's 3, actually. There's the scene where they, where all the bad guys have Davy Jones' heart in the chest. And they have like a room filled with like a hundred soldiers and like two cannons pointed at this chest to make sure that nobody can come in there and take it. It's like they are all in on protecting that thing that they value so much. I think it ties in even better because they're literally guarding a heart, right? Like this is the idea. If you love Jesus, you are going to guard the things that he has called you to do with everything. Like you would guard your most valuable treasure. What is something that you value so much that you would do anything you had to do to protect it? Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's, maybe it's some friend that you're really close to. Maybe it's something tangible, like I, would, I want to guard my, my house. I want to make sure that I keep this place so that it's safe, maybe for my family or for myself or whatever it may be. There are things that we value, and we do whatever we have to do to protect those things that we value. What, God, what, what John is calling us to here is to value the commands of God, the things that he tells us that we should do as his followers. We should value those things in such a way that we protect those things with everything that we can as, as if they were our own children. That's the call. Like, like. I want to make sure that the commands of God, the things that we as the church are called to do. That's why we have to be we have to be all in on this idea of accountability and keeping one another focused on what it is that God has called us to. And pointing out sin where there's sin. That's what Caleb talked about last week. That's why we have to be so intentional about being all in on that and committed to that, no matter how uncomfortable that may be, no matter how hard that might be for us to commit to. Because that's something that we're commanded to do, and we're going to follow that, and we're going to protect that command at all costs. Because we so love Jesus, we're going to guard his commands like there are our own children. I mean, this idea is in, like, perfect continuation of the Great Commission. Right? I mean, if you want to talk about what are some of the commands that we're supposed to follow, the easiest one to, that we always seem to go back to is the Great Commission. But within the Great Commission is this exact same call. Because it doesn't just stop with make disciples. It's make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to do all that I have commanded you to do. Right? The, the final part of the Great Commission is to teach the commands of God to the people who are being saved so that they will also 
follow the commands of God. Right? It doesn't just stop with surrender your life and that's it. Now you can live however you want to. No. Now look like a believer. Live a life that lives out the commands of God, whatever they may be. You may be thinking, are you going to tell us what any of the commands of God are this morning? No, I'm not. Because that's the rest of the book. That is literally everything else in here are these things that he's talking about. He's saying, if you love me, you will do whatever this book tells you to do with the rest of your life. And you will guard this book and you will guard the commands that it has for you with everything you have for the rest of your life. We have to know the commands of God to follow them. We memorized this verse a couple weeks ago, Psalm 119.11. Does anybody want to go for it before we put it up? Did I put it up on the screen? I don't know if I put it up on the screen. I did put it up on the screen. So who wants to go for it? Psalm 119.11. Who's got it? Nick, you look ready. Restore up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Perfect. Thank you. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now I'm really happy I didn't put it up on the screen. <laughs> The most important thing that we as believers, that we as the church can do, is get as much of the Word of God in us as we can. And when we get to something in there that sounds really hard, we do it anyways. It's really hard, like Caleb was saying last week. It is really hard to talk. <laughs> so if you're listening on the podcast... A bunch of guys in really, really short shirt, short shorts and no shirts just went jogging by the door and just got super distracted. <laughs> it's okay. The whole sound booth got distracted, too. I'll cut that part. Don't, you don't have to cut that part out. Let's just be honest. The creature got distracted. It happens. You got big windows. <laughs> Commands of God. That's where we were. Oh, right. It's really hard. To, to call somebody to account for their sin. It's really hard to address areas of people's lives that they really want to hold tightly to and not let go of. It is really hard to talk about laying down your life to a holy God and being willing to suffer and die and feel the, and feel the result of sin, right? It is really hard to declare to declare your belief in Christ in a society that would have you reject who Christ is, right? These are, these are terrifying things. But, again, anything that we're being called to, Jesus has gone through on our behalf already. We're just following him, right? He is our advocate. He's fighting for us. He's already done these things. He's, he's, felt, he's been tempted in every way, right? He understands how hard these things are. He was obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross, right? It's not like it was easy on him either. It was not. But he was obedient. And so we must, like Jesus, be obedient. I think the last and most possibly most interesting thing that he points out in here is that whoever keeps in word, whoever keeps his word, in him, truly, the love of God is perfected. John tells us that the more that we obey the commands of God, the better we will understand God's love for us, and the better we will love him. Right? 
That is an interesting idea. That is a unique idea. That is not something that I really thought of when I was thinking of obeying the commands of God. It's like, oh yeah, we obey the commands of God because, because he saved us, and so now as a result, our lives kind of reflect that. But no, the more we obey, the more perfected his love is in us because we are looking more and more like his son. We are looking more and more like Jesus because we are more and more obedient. We are less and less in sin. And so we're seeing, we're seeing this promise that I'm going to make you like my son. I'm going to fill you with my Holy Spirit. I'm going to make you into a new creation. Right? The more we are obeying the commands of God, the more we're seeing victory in that area. We're seeing that accomplished. We're seeing ourselves made to look like Jesus. And so, so this great love that he's promised us, I'm going to make you something new. I'm going to give you new life. I'm going to give you a new heart. As we obey his commands, that becomes more and more and more true. Because we're seeing it resulted in our lives. So the better we obey the commands of God, the more we understand and see the love of God completed in us. And even further, our love for him grows through obedience. Because like we said, sometimes the things that we're going to be called to do are going to be difficult. Whether it's what Caleb was talking about last week in addressing sin. Or whether it's being a church planter. Or whether it's... You know, spending time with people that you don't usually spend time. Maybe it's like a you gotta go hang out with this group of friends, or maybe it's you gotta live a certain way at the job that you've been called to. Maybe it's you're gonna go put yourself in a position where you're around a bunch of people who don't love Jesus, don't know Jesus, and aren't living their lives according to the way that Jesus would have them live, and they're still willing. And you're still willing to go, knowing that it's going to be uncomfortable for you to live differently. But you, you put yourself in that position either way. But the more that we obey, the more that we, the more that we follow Jesus in this way, the more that we do the things that we're called to do, no matter how difficult they are, what we, what we see, and, and you can talk to people who have tried this. People in this church. Talk to people who have tried just being obedient. And just following him no matter where it is. And what they have, and I, I guarantee you, they will have found that the more they, they follow him into difficult places and difficult circumstances, the more deeply they feel and understand his love for them. Because as hard as it may be, that he sees them through. He gives them peace or he gives them patience or whatever it is that they may need to kind of overcome whatever the difficult calling is that they are facing. I mean, God says in, in Malachi, try me, right? Like he, he's talking specifically about giving there. He's like, give me your money and see if I don't bless you. With that, not so, I'm not trying to give, get you into some sort of. If you give us all your money, you're going to be rich and happy and healthy and all those. Things. Like that's not. We're not that church. But, but God does say, if you trust me, if you follow me, even into the places where it doesn't seem logical and it seems like that's not going to work out well for me, just test me. 
Just, just try me for once and just see how faithful I actually am. I've told this, I, I, I mean, just, I'm just going to, while we're on giving, I've told this story before to some of you who will have heard this, but there was a time, like, not too long into our marriage that uh, our, the engine in our Mazda Tribute, and I shudder when I say Mazda Tribute, blew up. And we had to put a whole new engine in the Mazda Tribute. And it's like, how much is that going to cost? It's going to cost this much. I don't know how we're going to have that much money. And we went, and we looked in the bank account, and there was like $100 or something. I don't know. It was very little more. But it was like the exact number that we needed to replace the engine in our car. It's not a superstitious thing. But I genuinely believe because we had been faithfully giving, God was showing, let me show how faithful to you I can be in this moment where you are helpless. And I think that's what John is reminding the church of here in chapter 2. That if you will just obey the commands of God, you're going to better know better understand his love for you. And in turn, he's going to kind of stir up this deeper, more passionate sense of love for him in you. So like I said at the beginning, the easy softball community group kind of discussion starting question would be, so what does it mean to obey the commands of God? What does it look like for someone to obey the commands of God, right? And, and then we'd get into a discussion of, well, it looked like you're studying the Bible and we'd have all these things, but we wouldn't be talking about ourselves. People are, people are a lot more comfortable talking about, you know, kind of broad things general sense of understanding the truth the, the passage is presenting. But as soon as your community group leader this week asks, how is your life giving evidence that you're obeying the commands of God? That's a harder question. When you're, when you're sitting at lunch with somebody and they're like, in what ways have you demonstrated that you're obeying the commands of God this week? That's You're like, I don't want to talk about that over lunch. Maybe because you haven't been. Maybe because you don't feel like you have a good answer. Maybe, maybe you go, you kind of find yourself being tempted to kind of fall back into that mentality that we talked about earlier, where it's like, I gotta present myself as if I've got it all together because they want to hear the right answers out of me. No. We want honesty. We want you to be genuine. We want, if you are not obeying the commands of God, if your life doesn't look like somebody who is obeying the commands of God, we want you. To assess that about yourself because that's what John's trying to do. He's trying to get us to look back at ourselves and say, oh, that's not me right now. Man, my life really doesn't look like what he's describing here. No, it doesn't look like I have been passionately protecting this word, guarding this word, storing this word in my heart. And my life doesn't look like I love Jesus. My life doesn't look like I value the things that he has called me to do, whether it's to go out and make disciples or whether it's just not to talk poorly about other people who are made in the image of God. Whatever the example is that is most accurately describing you, he wants you to be thinking, oh man, I don't look like that. Or, and I, this is a hopeful or, or maybe he wants you to be like, wow, Look at how much he has changed me over the past number of years. If you asked me that question a year ago, two years ago, ten years ago, 
I would have had a very different answer for you. I would have been like, no, I wasn't doing any of this. I was happy to just kind of enjoy myself, do whatever it is that I like to do, and I didn't care what God had to say. Maybe that's you. But now, today, I can look, and I can say, wow, look at how much you changed. No, I am not obeying all of his commands all the time. I am still in sin. I still, I still lose sight of what it is that he calls me to do. But man, look at how much he's changed me. Some of you might be like, I really feel like I'm in a great place right now. And I hope that that's the case. And I want that to be the case. And if that's the case, tell us all what you're doing. Because this is a hard thing. That's a hard question to ask. It's hard to have somebody look at you and say, tell me that this is true in your life. Because then if it's not, you have to answer honestly. And that's what I want for us as a church. I want us to not be using this as, oh yeah, see, I'm totally safe. We don't have to talk about this anymore. I've obeyed some of the commands. No, like I want this to actually cause us to look at ourselves in the mirror and really analyze, am I living this out? Is this real? Am I real? Or am I faking it? Am I coming in here presenting myself like I have it all together? Chatting, laughing at jokes, telling stories, agreeing with points that were made in sermons. Because that will make people feel like I've got it all together. Don't cheat yourself. Because if you're lying to yourself about that, then you might actually be in that whole you're not in group that he's really calling us to examine ourselves to make sure that we're not in he's talking to the people like this group these people he wants you who claim Christ to be able to accurately self-examine so I ask again not what does it mean to keep the commands of God but are you obeying the commands of God are you doing the things that he has called you to do? Let's pray.